Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Chad. And I'm Charlotte. Charlotte. What? Um, I want to talk about this meme I've been seeing. Okay. Okay. It's a collection of three quotes. The quotes are by Richard Rohr. Okay. Although I don't know the context where they come from or what his intention was. So this isn't about Richard Rohr as much as it, as it is about this meme. The people creating and sharing yeah. this meme and memes like it. And, and when people share this meme, some of the assumptions that they make. Okay, so I'll read the three quotes and then we can talk. Okay. Here's the first one. We worshipped Jesus instead of following him on his same path. Okay. Here's the second one. We made Jesus into a mere religion instead of a journey toward union with God and everything else. Okay. And then the third one, I think, is intended to be kind of a conclusion of the first two. This shift from following to worship, from uh, union to mere religion, this shift made us into a religion of, quote-unquote, belonging and believing instead of a religion of transformation. Okay. Here's what I see people doing. They'll, they'll post this meme, and then, and then some people will make this conclusion that initially people followed Jesus but did not worship him. Eventually people began to worship him, and that's where everything kind of went off the rails. Mm. So the implication being it, um, true Christianity is following Jesus, not worshiping. Okay. That being said, so I think we can talk about the, the first quote because, number one, worshiping Jesus and following him are not mutually exclusive. Right. Um, but the, the second two statements, there's a lot there that I agree with, at least. I think there are presentations of Christianity that are just mere religion and aren't concerned with union with God, union with each other, um, the whole reconciliation and I think there are presentations of religion that are all about well if you believe the right thing you belong you're going to heaven and they don't they're not too much concerned with transformation so you know there's aspects of this that I that resonate with me so I'll just throw that out there what do you think of course like you said we don't know when Gosh, we didn't even bother to look up what could have been the context no, for these quotes. But so, but let me say this is that I've, I've a sense that I see a lot of these kinds of memes posted by or resonating with folks who are coming out of more fundamentalist or evangelical, I'm going to say abusive and ahistorical forms of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And as part of their process of deconstructing that and liberating themselves from those things, it's almost like watching them discover the actual Christian tradition, which is wonderful. But you know these dichotomies that are set up here, they don't resonate for me mm-hmm. in the same way. Like I can see them from if I were part of part of that tradition or coming out of it. So this idea of 
I guess here I would define religion as like, or the people posting these things as kind of just a set of beliefs. And maybe practices, but only in the realm of, let's say, liturgical practice mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe the social dogma that goes along with some of the evangelical and fundamentalist um, creeds. But, but the idea of, you know, in my mind, those beliefs, that understanding of who God is, the knowledge of God that you're, is furthered uh, in the exploration of the faith is a tool toward union with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these things aren't exclusive in some way or to be held in some kind of opposition right. in my mind. Um, you know, likewise, the dichotomy here between worship and follow. Yeah. And we can talk about you know, what we may see in the Gospels or Paul's letter, et cetera, about when Jesus actually becomes worship. But, I mean, in historical Christianity, you worship so that then you are transformed and sent out into the world to live the life. Yeah. And proclaim the... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... The, You're fed spiritually so that you can then perform... Right. ...the works of Christ in the world. So it's not... So, but I, I mean, I understand if I were from a tradition that was like, you go to church on Sunday, you say X, Y, and Z... You believe certain things. You vote a certain way, whatever, yeah. and you're done then I get it, you know, or that, that kind of cheap grace of I I went to the altar call and now I'm good yeah. stuff, then yeah, I, I get where this is coming from. But, you know, in the broadest aspect of the Christian tradition, I don't, I don't, it's hard to see these as competing values no. to me. No, I don't. But yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people are looking back at the religion they grew up with and observed and were taught. They're rejecting that. And yet they're they're like, well, wait a minute. And then like you say, they're kind of discovering this. Um, it's not just about believing X, Y, and Z and going to church on Sundays. It's about living a certain kind of life. It's, it's about being oriented towards um, just treatment of other people and, and so on and so forth. And they're like, oh, we've discovered, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the real faith. Right. Which, of course, has always been there, even though in various times in history it hasn't been exemplified greatly. Sure. I mean, when I read that first line, we worship Jesus instead of following him, on the same path like like you're saying I don't see those as mutually exclusive but mutually inter, interdependent and they work together right um, and you know just as far as the historical question you don't see a lot of worship Jesus before the resurrection but after the resurrection well you do with Thomas for instance he worships um, but it seems pretty clear that very quickly worship of Jesus begins to have even in Paul's writings. I mean, he's Lord. Every you know, knee will bend and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I don't think there's much historical accuracy to the claim that initially they were just following and not worshiping, unless you're just misunderstanding how the Gospels work. His full personhood wasn't revealed until post-resurrection. Right. Yeah. But I think the larger issue is, like you said, there are a lot of people, especially in this country, maybe around the world, I don't know, but I know in this country that are leaving the Christian faith that they came up with. And they're rightly critiquing, you know, hypocrisy and um, what they see as um, a corruption of maybe a more genuine approach. I mean, what would you say to somebody who comes to you and says, you know, I've just learned that, you know, real Christian faith is not about worshiping Jesus, it's about following him. Well, that, okay, we don't have a monopoly on that in the Christian faith either. I mean, that's, if we go, you know, to the prophetic writings from the Hebrew Bible, I mean, how many instances from the prophets do we have of this word from God saying, I despise your festivals and your holy days. You're not treating the poor right. Mm -hmm. You're not doing a darn thing I asked you to. So just cut it. It's stinky. Yeah. It's stinky. <laughs> This reeks. Yeah. Um, let me tell you how all this smells to me. Don't smell good, y'all. Yeah. So, the, which is, I mean, I guess also to say there's evidence of, throughout human history then of just going, if we just do the right uh, outward signs of faith and around cultic practices, okay. then, like, I'm good to go. Instead of the focus of that's supposed to transform you into an entirely different life, mm -hmm. right? It's supposed to inform your being twenty four seven. So you know, how if if you have an encounter with the divine in worship, it's going to change you. It should. Wish there may be something else to say there about evangelical worship too. Well. I don't think, you know, the we worship Jesus and I don't think worshiping Jesus and following him are mutually exclusive. No. But I do think you can follow Jesus and not worship. And in, sure. And in doing that, it is a, I mean, here's the thing. Let's say I go to church every Sunday. I've been baptized. I've made my confession of faith. But I give absolutely no attention to following Christ. Um, I'm not interested in loving others. You know what I'm saying? Right, you're a reprobate. Or, yeah, or just <laughs> nominal, okay? And compare that to someone who's not made a confession of faith and yet seeks to love their neighbor as themselves, seeks the good of those who are in need and so on and so forth. Mm. I mean, there's a sense in which this person is following Jesus even though they haven't made a confession of faith. And this person who has made a confession is not. Right. I mean, I'm not sure what to make of that, but I do, I think that's interesting to think about. I mean, what does it mean to worship Jesus? Am I really worshiping Jesus if I go to church every Sunday and do the prayers and do the songs, but I don't even care about trying to live a life? Is that worship? No, because, well, there's no fruit. Yeah. Right? So, uh, you know, I mean, whether you will know they're Christians by their love or something, there's got to be some 
other evidence of somebody being connected to God, to Christ, being transformed yeah. into the further into the image of Christ means more Christ-like activity in the world. And if that can't even come to like some just basic politeness and dignity, then the Calvinist would point and go, well, you're, you're not one of the elect yeah. then. There's the evidence right By there. Fruit. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I think this is a good thing that people are deconstructing bad presentations of the faith or yeah. empty or hip, hip, hypocritical, non-gracious, non-loving presentations of the faith. But I do worry that you know, uh, people end up you know, throwing out the banana and eat, eating the peel. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I worry, too, that this kind of faith, the American evangelicalism, is, is so loud... It is the loudest voice in the room. Mm-hmm. And we end up equating Christianity, at least in this country, with that, right? right? And so people rightfully wanting to distance themselves from the... I mean, I'm you know, conversations with friends who are asking, like, I, I still feel like I'm Christian. I, what else can I call myself, uh, right? And leaning toward going back to some followers of the way or child of the light or you know, looking for other historical examples because they just think that word got so tainted. Christian. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it means like one thing almost in this country because of that dominant voice. But the reminder there that even as loud as those folks are, first of all, they are, nobody has been more uh, decimated by an exodus than that crowd in the last decade or so. But secondly, it is not at all representative of historical Christianity or global Christianity. It's only represented outside of the United States in the places that those people went and brought it to, particularly in, in the global South has been infected with it. But students of Christian history what I mean it's just not it's in some ways such a like a one-off or it's worse than a one-off it's like if you saw somebody with like some ripped off Disney t-shirt and Mickey Mouse you know is actually just a rat and you know has two tails or something Doesn't and even then look it's, like Mickey? yeah and it's like this is a, you know you're like that is not a disney product i got this at disney yeah and you're like no you didn't you got that's from a, that fell off a truck somewhere um and that's kind of that's what i think of that those forms of christianity a bad caricature yeah yeah because it's you it it's easy it's easy, but it's also it's a it's a whole holy corruption of our faith in the interest of power. But okay, we're a little taking us away from these dichotomies here. I mean, if the faith is not a journey toward union with God, and it's not transformative, then it's trash. I mean, I'll agree with all that. Yeah, me too. But that there are instruments that the faith has historically used 
to further that journey, to inform that journey, to offer literal spiritual food for that journey. So it doesn't mean we throw all those things away. The rest of the tradition understands the roles, the role that, for instance, the sacraments have in that journey and in that transformation. The role that a particular uses of scripture have in the journey and transformation. The role that community, community with each other, you know, soul friends even, have in that journey and transformation. And those things are going to then come back and lift up ideals like belonging and believing, right? But they're not using them in an exclusive way that, again, that I think the evangelicals and fundamentalists are using it. Because they're saying you belong to this community because those people are out. Right. Right? Instead of, no, you're part, you're part of the beloved community. You belong here. You could be free and whole and loved and furthered on this journey and transformation in a, in a positive spiritual way. We would use those, the same language yeah. here. Yeah. And you're talking here specifically about worship as far as Well, the other spiritual practices, worship, yeah, but yeah. the other practices around the faith. I mean, even if, if we're talking about religion as a as a base definition of the specific beliefs and practices of a faith, mm-hmm. then, yeah, that's worship. But that's also Lectio Divina and prayer and um, acts of love. But the implication of worship is that he is divine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you want to go back to the worship versus follow stuff? Well, I'm just saying, I think that's part of some people's issue. Right, because they've, yes, I would agree, some people have are at a place where they're deconstructing the Trinity as well. Right. Which is fair, and I will say, I will agree that I think that should have been up for grabs or re-examined during the Reformation. You mean the Trinity? Yeah. And Severus brought that up, but that didn't go well for yeah, him. They killed him. But the, <laughs> but I think it was a fair point if he said, "Hey, y'all," <laughs> which is how he. Talks. That's how he talks. But hey, if we're going back, really, sola scriptura. Right. Yeah. Should could we look at some of these things that seem maybe a little leapy? I'm a trinitarian, y'all. I'm not like going at that. But there's, if somebody is just reading the Bible, the scriptures, you, are, you do not necessarily end up in a place where the ecumenical church ends right. up. So the Christians were Trinitarian worshiping in a Trinitarian sense long before the doctrine of one essence, three uh, hypostases was hammered out. Yes and no. I mean, it wouldn't have been a conflict if there weren't a whole bunch of Christians who weren't. Well, they were understanding the Trinity different, right? They understood the Son being an amalgam. Right, and so we wouldn't call that Trinitarian then. I guess what I'm saying is worship was already framed around Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before the doctrine of the Trinity was hammered out. Yes. I mean, you see it in Paul's writing. Right, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're understanding the Trinity in any way that we do. 
because if the, the there's still language around those things that it's, it's mm, there's certainly early Christian communities that are understand three persons in a hierarchy. Right. And we can see so it's got the three it's, it's got, got three, three folks but it's not but it's and it's not necessarily it's you know God or the Father is revealed through Christ. There's not necessarily a one on one relationship there. Right. I mean, think about it this way. Probably one of the earliest issues the early church didn't have a problem with seeing Jesus as divine. People struggled at seeing him as human, which is kind of the reverse of what I think people might struggle with now. That's why in First John it says we touched him, we, we tasted him, we heard him to drive home the point that not only was he the divine son of God, but he was human. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any rate, where were we going? <laughs> I, I got us kind of off track. I don't think... I don't think the claim that initially worship was not part of the situation, I don't think that's sustainable. I think it's pretty clear that understanding him as divine and worshiping Christ as divine was from the resurrection on. Um, at least you see in Paul's writings, you know, he's declared son of God by being raised from the dead and so on. Every knee shall bow and confess Jesus is Lord and so on. He's divinity. Right. The exact relationship between father and son hasn't been hammered out at that point, and there's, and obviously it comes up because it's hard for it not to come up. It's sitting there long enough, people are going to wonder, well, what exactly is the relationship between? But the idea that initially people just followed him and there was no worship, I don't think that's tenable historically, except for yeah, before the resurrection, people followed him. Didn't they thought of him as the Messiah? But it wasn't until after the resurrection that he becomes, you know, Lord, Savior. I, I guess this is part of what I'm saying where I worry that people are going to throw out the banana and eat the peel by assuming, oh, the correct understanding of this is, I don't know. Well, no, no. Well, here, then you're essentially deciding you want to be Peter, and he's the hero of the story. If you're following and not worshiping, which Peter gets it right, you know, at least once, yeah. right? But, but that guy... Jesus calls him a blockhead, right? I mean, part of the if you're if you're like I'm just going to try to be around and try to follow this mm-hmm. guy, but I'm not getting the full picture yet. Mm-hmm. So you're right. We we are Easter people. We have this full story, and so the identity of Christ is revealed not just through his life. Mm-hmm. Then we've just stopped there, right? But but also death, resurrection, ascension. Mm-hmm. So we have to take that fullest of expression to know who he is and how we are to respond to that. Mm-hmm. There is an issue here with, he left. <laughs> <laughs> Without saying, okay guys, so here's the book of order. Yeah. <laughs> or something. So he's left these communities and with, having to figure it out very little yeah how do we respond how do we continue to live the way that he's taught us to live without him and that's the book of acts basically you know um uh, and you're right there's a lot of argument around you know how these even when we see the words around 
worship or bowing or lordship around mm-hmm. Christ that some of it folks can kind of play with with oh well that's just the honor you might give to uh-huh. uh, somebody in power or just someone you respect but I, certainly by the time we're at revelation it's unequivocal I, th- I mean it's on the throne of God I yeah. mean what yeah. what else yeah. do we have going on there the, if nothing else they're worshiping him in, in heaven so right get on board the rest but I, it just makes me it makes me sad that I'm glad that these people are coming out of this it just makes me so sad that they were ever held by it and abused by it and that so many other people might get out of it that they're not going to go through this kind of work or ever discover what's happening in the rest or what has happened in the rest of the Christian tradition they will just be done with it all yeah and I think maybe some of this language too back on them you know this religion versus journey to union belonging and believing versus transformation I think some of the background music there also has got to be you know versions of the faith where you say one time yes I believe Mm. or yes I accept and you're done right and it's not just are there outward signs of transformation is there outward signs of some kind of journey toward union what in some ways like a horrific experience to have someone go yeah you did it and you're great what about the rest of my life? Yeah. <laughs> like, this didn't give me answers for anything, or I'm encountering this. What do and I do now? This is what my relationships are like, and doesn't seem like everything just went hunky-dory because I went to the altar call that one time, or, you know, I got that believer's baptism or something. So where in that kind of teaching is there? room even for transformation it's not a one it's not a one-time event and that's what i mean that's so that's a definition of salvation that is very different i think from the broader historical tradition we would a way in which i would define salvation is union with god Mm -hmm. and that that's the thing that we're pursuing through the Christian life or through our spiritual practices. Right. Union with God and one another. Yeah. Yeah. Love God and love neighbor. So, you know, the religion is providing the tools for that. Right. They're not exclusive in any way. They're It's dependent upon in some ways. Yeah. It's not dependent upon God can do whatever God wants. Blah, blah, blah but that we have a specific set of beliefs and practices that we understand is the normative path toward transformation. Transformation. Right. Towards seeking God. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, Like I said, I'm glad to see that people are pushing back and rejecting toxic theologies or just empty theologies but man I feel for them so they should start listening to our podcast and get better information (laughs)